0: Hi everyone, it's Joyce. I just wanted to say that I hope you're keeping safe, healthy, and hanging in there. Sending love your way and my thoughts are with you. To help spread the word of positive inner beauty, I invite you to please subscribe, rate, and leave a review on Hello Beauty. This makes it easier for people to find the podcast. Thanks and enjoy this episode.
1: Appropriation is when, I mean, like the fox eye trend, you're taking it as like, oh, this is a cool thing that would look nice on me and you don't care about its origins you don't care about how it's impacting people and you don't care about the culture that it came from
0: hello beauty yes you join me host Joyce Platon as I chat with today's beauty wellness and lifestyle visionaries let's discover their motivating journey together as I merge my love for the art and my passion in revealing one's true inner beauty Hey there, Joyce Paton here and welcome to Hello Beauty. Today's special guest is Marianne She She's a beauty editor and brand copywriter with both print and digital experience covering topics like beauty, wellness, sex and relationships.
1: Welcome to Hello Beauty, Marian. Thank you so much, I'm so honored to be here.
0: I'm so excited and just a little tidbit for our viewers and listeners, our common friend, Gloria, who is a PR maven, introduced us. And ever since I've just been like hooked. I love connecting with fellow Filipinas and Asians like in the beauty community. So I'm just happy to just really broaden my network in that regard.
1: For sure us beauty girls got to stick together and <laughs> is fantastic. I have been working with her since I was an editor years and years ago and she is just the kindest, most genuine human being. So when she connected us, I was like, well, if you love Joyce, I'm sure I'm going to love her just as much. <laughs> oh my goodness.
0: Well, I'm so excited to really pick your brains as a beauty editor and journalist because I know you are in a way in the trenches of what's going on in the beauty world right so I I know all about like the makeup and I guess the technique and how to apply but sometimes there's just so much news to keep up with but definitely I could not ignore especially like a few months back last year you know in 2020 where the fox eye trend was gaining traction and was such a big thing Um, Can you talk to me about what the fox-eye trend is? Because some people, it's their first time to hear about this. I mean, I feel like calling
1: it a trend is a bit generous. It's like low-key, I don't know, it was kind of traumatic for me to see Mm -hmm. just growing up Asian. I'm half Filipino, so, you know, I grew up in Mississippi where their strides in diversity are not like, they're not known for it. But... It's basically people manipulating the shape of their eye with eyeliner to make it appear more almond-shaped. So instead of a cat eye where you would just follow... I have a cat eye on right now, so I follow the shape of my eye just to kind of like make them more dramatic. What people were doing with the fox eye trend was like drawing an outer wing that was very elongated and extended, as well as an inner wing to make it look like, I mean full shade, I guess, but low-key yellow face. Like how they would make up these white people in old movies to look like Asian characters. And then what's more was that people were pulling back their temples to also just give it a more somewhat Asian look is what I gathered from it. I don't know how they got the term fox eye trend because when you look at the fox's eye, like as a fox in nature, I don't think the eyes look very much like that, but it was very much a thing that I was seeing all over TikTok and all over Instagram that people were calling it like the new cat eye and things like that, which I kind of thought was a little bit sus. I don't know.
0: Yeah. Uh Uh-huh. other people are like, okay, so what's the problem with it? When, you know, even as old as Cleopatra, the way she did her eyeliner, isn't it like similar to that?
1: I don't know. I mean, yeah. I feel like Cleopatra, that look was a very graphic look. That was graphic for the sake of just like having some drama on the eyes. With the fox eye, they were citing people like Bella Hadid and Hailey Bieber, people who had like a very pulled back look and then this elongated wing that was completely changing the shape of their eye. And to me, that kind of, it's a slippery slope, right? Mm -hmm. And it kind of, to me, bordered on a little bit of cultural appropriation because it's like you are taking this Asian inspired look, taking like an Asian feature. And when you put it on a Eurocentric face, suddenly it's a cool trend. But when I was in kindergarten and I, you know, was around a lot of white kids, they'd pull their eyes back at me and be like ching chong ching chong so it's weird and it was a very uncomfortable thing to see and luckily i started seeing more people calling it out a lot of other asian Mm -hmm. people who are creators for like this sucks this is straight up cultural appropriation this is offensive so don't do it and you know whenever i've seen new iterations of the fox eye happen people are quick to call it out and people are quick to like put a stop to it but it's still very much happening. When I was doing research for this episode, I was looking at just like recent looks that people had put up with the fox eye makeup tag, and there were things as soon as like a few hours ago that were being uploaded like, "Yes, the fox eye look."
0: Oh my gosh, yeah. I think really what the main problem here and what sets off other people's horrific memories is that the actual pulling and tugging of the eye, the action, right? Right. Um yeah, I think that's you know, sometimes like we think, I think I'm like trying to play devil's advocate, right? As a makeup artist, we love um, exploring beauty looks, experimenting with different looks. And if it makes us feel good, then why not, right? I think the problem here lies is when the actual tugging of the the temples and or the eyelids to make it look more, appear more Asian, right? And also you're actually changing your features to look a certain way that you're not. And this brings This leads us to the topic of how, I mean, I've never done this because I never understood this, right? Putting tape on the temples to tug the eye shape. If you are trying to go for that certain look where you want more of an almond-shaped eye, then why don't you just book a model with natural almond-shaped eyes, right? So I think the the issue here is when you cherry-pick certain features or Mm -hmm. ideas or cultures where you think for you is going to look cool on you as Asians growing up that, that feature, which is the elongated eye, we were teased for it. So how come there's, you know, it's like double standards.
1: Exactly. Yeah, totally. And I feel like people will also bring up the argument like, oh, but what about Asian people who get eyelid surgery to make their eyes appear rounder and more Caucasian? But I don't think that's the same thing. That's not the same thing at all, because that is somebody changing their features in order to assimilate when they have been the butt of people's jokes or whatever. Like they had been singled out for the feature before and they are going about changing it so that they can assimilate and not be teased anymore or assimilate and not just have this thing that makes them feel othered. So I don't think that's the same thing when people try to play devil's advocate in that sense. And like you were saying, Mm -hmm. if you want somebody with an almond shaped eye, book an Asian model. It's that simple. (laughs) Exactly.
0: Or like with a certain uh, skin tone, right? Mm -hmm. Just like instead of maybe changing their skin shade to like a lighter, you know, with foundation, with the use of foundation, just book that certain model with that skin shade or skin tone, you know?
1: (laughs) And in that way, people who have these features see themselves reflected in these campaigns and these editorial spreads. And it's not as, I don't know, it's just not as hurtful as like somebody oh that has Eurocentric features and is consciously making an effort to look more Asian because they think it looks cool.
0: Yeah, I want to unpack this. Talk to me about, I mean, if you don't mind, these microaggressions that you've experienced growing up.
1: Yeah, I mean, like I said, Mississippi not really known Mm -hmm. for its strides in diversity, so I was very much often the only Asian girl in the class and you know, I'm half Filipino, but people down there didn't really know what that meant. They associated Mm -hmm. Asian as being like Chinese or Japanese. And they were like, well, which one are you? And I was like, well, Mm -hmm. I'm neither because I'm Filipino. So, you know, you hear those stupid jokes from kids where they're pulling their eyes back at you. And there was one kid that was doing it to me. Calling me a China doll, and I kicked him in the knees. And then they were like, oh My goodness, why did you do that? He's the teacher's son. And I was like, I don't care. He was making me feel like shit. And <laughs> it's, yeah, I feel like also just being half and not looking like traditionally Asian, I guess. Sometimes people feel like they can say things around you and they can make fun mm-hmm. of people around you. And they think that you're safe because you don't look like, you know, I don't look like my mom really. So, Whatever. That's a very long winded way of saying they didn't really know what I was because I look kind of miscellaneous. So they thought that I was safe to say things around. And they would make jokes about, like, oh, like Asian people can't drive because of their eyes. (laughs) Or, like, how do you blindfold an Asian person? You just put dental floss over. And then I'd be like, you Mm -hmm. know, I'm Asian, right? Like, you know, I whatever and it's just it's very very uncomfortable and then they try to backpedal it being like oh but you're not like that kind of Asian you're not like that when it's like are you trying to give me a backhanded compliment because like I don't know to suggest you're not like that am I supposed to feel good about that am I supposed to feel good that you thought I was something else but you in the same breath putting down other people who are like me other people who I love and are my family and are my friends exactly yeah yeah oh you're not really Asian because you're not good at math like okay that's another <laughs> horrible stereotype but thank yeah. you and also on that other hand I always 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 hated it when people would be like yeah I mean I'm basically Asian because I love karaoke or I'm basically Asian because this or that and I'm like you're not you're not like, that's just a really really great day. And I don't know why you said it, but let's move on.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Or when I think you mentioned before, like, you know, we were chatting how um, a person, you know, uh, (laughs) we, you guys took a photo and then uh, she, or he was complaining about her eyes or his eyes.
1: Yeah, She was like, Oh yeah, we need to take that again because my eyes look chinky. And I was like, never say that again. Like that is so offensive. And I feel like, yeah, People think, whatever, it's fine to say these things because I don't know, but I'm happy mm-hmm. people what saying now, like, this isn't okay, stop doing that, that's low-key racist, and it needs to stop.
0: I know that we have different cultural experiences and identities and A lot of people experience things, may or may not experience like, you know, racial discrimination. But I think the fact that a lot of people have reacted to this fox eye trend in a more negative manner and that it actually brought up a lot of scars from their childhood or growing up or even current uh, situations that they're still experiencing, I think it's important to still bring to light and talk about it. Just because maybe as a makeup oh, I don't see a problem with it, it's just makeup, it's just having fun. Mm -hmm. But I think you can't just disregard or invalidate other people feelings there's a reason why they feel that way just because you don't have that same feeling or experience as them that doesn't mean that it doesn't exist
1: exactly and I think that's why especially now with all of these things happening and like So many of those lines being blurred between what is appropriation and what is appreciation. Mm -hmm. It's just so important to listen to other people's feedback because what they're doing is they're giving you like their lived experience as to why they find this offensive and why this is triggering old memories from elementary school and really unkind kids. And instead of getting defensive, it's like, well, why don't we just have a conversation about it Mm -hmm. and just be honest? And yeah, you have to listen to people and listen yourself.
0: Yeah. Speaking of fine line, I know a lot of us get confused sometimes, even up to now. I I admit sometimes I do. What is, what is the difference between appreciation and appropriation?
1: So I feel like appropriation is when, I mean, like the fox eye trend, you're taking it as like, oh, this is a cool thing that would look nice on me. And you don't care about its origins. You don't care about Mm. how it's impacting people. And you don't care about the culture that it came from. I would equate like, Appreciation as you've learned about it and you're doing it in a respectful way. Like, my example that I had in my head was like, appropriation was when Katy Perry put on a kimono, did Asian eyes on her makeup, had like the bun and everything, and sang this la 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 geisha song. Whereas, appreciation was yeah, that's
0: rep- like reinforcing stereotypes, right? Exactly. Like, what she did, yeah.
1: Yeah. And it was like playing to these really dangerous stereotypes where like the Asian woman is sexualized and whatever. I don't remember what song it was, but somebody Uh had a really wonderful thought piece about it. Whereas I would consider appreciation as Rihanna at the China Through the Looking Glass Met Ball, where she had this really beautiful outfit on. She worked with an Asian designer to create it. And I mean, she clearly knew a lot about it and she was like paying homage to it without doing any like weird offensive things with her hair or makeup. Like She was wearing this piece of art that was created by an Asian designer. And yeah, like, that's how I would consider it. I don't know. Like, do you have different... Yeah,
0: no, I agree. Because like appropriation, like what we mentioned earlier, is cherry picking certain ideas and values or even looks from um, a minor or lesser culture Mm -hmm. or country than the other person because they have the power to do so. And in a sense, it becomes exploitative because on them, it's suddenly cool and accepted. And then also to add on to what you mentioned earlier, yes, they are not doing their part in actually understanding the culture, doing their their own research. They should be ready to talk about it or at least give credit to it. So if they don't do any of those things, that's appropriation. And appreciation to me is like, again, yes, I do agree that at least do your research. And I, I know that, you know, we are... We are, we do live in a like multicultural world nowadays. And especially when we travel, we really enjoy and get inspired and love other cultures.
1: Like appreciation is I will get um, henna for my Mm -hmm. best friend's wedding and she's Indian. And, you know, it's going to be a beautiful celebration and I want to help appreciate her culture, whatever. And then appropriation is like, I'm on a carnival cruise and I'm going to get some henna, you know?
0: (laughs) I've been all these musical events where really beautiful Native American headpieces. Mm-hmm. Like I've seen that. I mean, they're beautiful. Are people just wearing that as a costume and just so that they can look attractive and just to emphasize like what they're wearing? But who knows, that could be in Native Americas. It could mean something like that type of headpiece that they're wearing. Definitely.
1: And they're probably
0: wearing it the wrong way. And and, to, and especially the way you're acting maybe in those musical events. You mm-hmm. are probably disrespecting the headpiece. We don't know that this is probably, like, what we're doing, right?
1: Exactly. And I think you're right there because, I mean, from what I've read about just, like, the problem with these headdresses and with people wearing them to places like Coachella is, like, in order to wear a headpiece like that when you're part of a Native American tribe, you have had to be, like, the leader of this mm-hmm. whole thing. you had to be the leader, and you'd have to, like, accomplish all of these things because, from what I've seen, it's, like, each piece means something. And yeah. it's, like, pretty disrespectful to be wearing just like the whole entire thing while you go see modest mouse in a field or whatever <laughs> so it's also about just like you have to know the history behind it but also you kind of have to accept that sometimes maybe that's not for you you can appreciate it and you can appreciate the beauty of this headpiece and you can appreciate what it means but you sometimes also have to accept that that's just something that's not for you
0: Hmm. no I totally agree
1: yeah yeah and I feel like you know, this goes for like the fox eye trend, this goes for any other trend, trend, I say in air quotes, right? Because like (laughs) some of these things are quite a slippery slope, but I think it goes for all of these things where it's like, if you are choosing to insert yourself in this aesthetic or like borrow things from this culture without, whether or not you do your research, whatever, but like if you're choosing to do this, you need to acknowledge your privilege in being able to do so. Because the people whose culture you're borrowing from the people whose features you're mimicking or whatever, the people whose features you are trying to go for, they don't have it as easy. So Mm -hmm. it's all about that recognition and doing your part and just learning about it, really.
0: Yeah, no, I totally agree. So what do you think are the solutions that we can do to avoid these situations that they find themselves in? Because I would like to
1: think that most people mean good, you know, like they don't mean any harm. Yeah. I mean, I know that the intent of the fox eye probably wasn't to make Asian people feel just the way that we feel about it. But sometimes even when you have good intent, it's very possible that people do get offended. And Mm -hmm. you know, that's their right to get offended. But I guess it's just like asking the question, is what I'm doing going to be perceived as offensive by anybody? And, you know, doing the research and having these honest conversations like what we're having right now, I think, the more people talk about these things and the more conversations people are open to having about it, then it kind of clears up a little bit of the confusion. But also it's like, also you just have to sometimes pay homage to it, but accept that sometimes it's not for you. And I think like the elephant in the room is very much like this Fox eye trend is happening at a time where Asians are very much being targeted with all of this COVID whatever, like, a lot of, I keep reading stories about, there was a Thai grandfather who was attacked and killed just the other day because he is Asian and, you know, there was a lot of anti-Asian sentiment because of COVID and because of what people have been saying about COVID. So, yeah, it's, just, it's a weird time and the trend could, yeah, the trend is, whatever, make me sound smart. <laughs> <laughs> the trend is here at a very inopportune time. And I, yeah, again, I wouldn't call it a trend even. Yeah, exactly. And I feel like, you know, well, I mean,
0: our eyes that we grew up with is not a trend. Like, why what? would you <laughs> use the, Like, someone's features as a trend, like something like, oh, it's cool now, but then later when we're done with it, we can just dispose of it because we're like, okay, we're over that look. So moving on, right? So that even shows like how much, you don't have that much respect for people's, you know, the way they look and their unique features.
1: Right. So designed, I feel like yeah. a trend is like, oh, it's like, this lip color is the thing that's in, and then when it's done, yeah. you don't have to wear it anymore. It's like, yeah. I can't do anything about my eyes once they're not in vogue. Whatever. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> 2020, 2021,
0: Asian eyes are in,
1: but what happens after? So, yeah. like,
0: now we're going to go back to being insecure and being bullied. I love
1: the example <laughs> that you gave me, though, when we were talking about this, about, like, okay, the fox eye is considered appropriation, but a way to appreciate in a different way was, like, taking a concept that a brand like Shu Uemura did, like mm-hmm. an Asian brand with art that, like, makeup artistry that is done by an Asian makeup artist, trying to recreate the look on yourself in a way that works with your face, isn't manipulating any of your features to look more Asian. It's just about like playing with color placement and concepts. I think what you said there was like, that is a good example of appreciation, whereas appropriation is everything we were just talking about. But I think it's like people's differences and the things that make you look unique. That's what makes you so beautiful. And that's like, oh my gosh, that's you have a great face that's so unique and it's so for you and you're doing this for yourself because at the end of the day, right? Beauty is supposed to make you feel good and feel your best and feel your most beautiful.
0: Yeah, no, I totally agree. And speaking of beauty and like what you think about it. So because of my philosophy, I, or I'm always like trying to pick everyone's brain on what do you think is your advice to those who are trying to discover their beauty within?
1: Yeah. Oh, I love that question. Mm -hmm. I feel like my advice is kind of like a multi-pronged approach. It's, you know, like one of those european adapters with all the prongs right it one of the prongs is basically like what we just talked about embracing the things that make you unique embracing the things that make you different from everybody else that sometimes i don't know it doesn't always feel great when i was growing up i hated my nose i thought it was so much bigger than everybody else's and it was like in the middle of my face just like everyone else's nose but so much more prominent but then as i grew up and you know started to embrace it I was like, well, I actually like it. And that's what makes me unique. And just recognizing that just because certain features or certain things about you are different from everybody else's, that's okay. You're still beautiful. But there's also another prong. It's like there are so many ways to be beautiful. If you're a kind person, that's so beautiful. If you're a good friend, if you're just like the most radical person to be around with great energy, that's beautiful. But then also, beauty, the last prong, I guess, is. As creative as it is, you know, you can use it as an outlet for your own expression. When I have my cat eye on and like my highlighter to the gods, nobody can tell me anything (laughs) because I know it looks good or I feel it looks good and I feel good when I feel I look good. So using beauty as like an outlet for creative expression and playing with all the fun colors and textures and just effects that you can create And I mean, that's why I admire what makeup artists like you do so much, because it is true artistry, but your medium is makeup and Mm -hmm. I just can't get enough. But then it's also, you know, taking the time to play with self-care and skincare and making yourself feel good. So that's my advice. Just do what feels good. Use it as your creative outlet. Be and do whatever you want and just love the things that make you as unique as you are.
0: No, I totally love that until we agree. So I know things have been still crazy. And I thought we all thought that COVID is going to disappear. I I know, that's wishful (laughs) thinking. (laughs) Like that's wishful thinking. I mean, in the beginning of the pandemic, we're like, okay, we're just going to quote unquote quarantine for a month at most, right? Right. And then it just kept extending. And until now, we're still here. (laughs) Almost a year in, right? (laughs) Yeah. So what have you been up to lately? Or what have you been doing to just... Keep your head afloat. I mean, I think all of us are just trying to survive right now. <laughs>
1: yeah, I mean, I could tell you that I'm reading and meditating and doing all these things, but I'm not. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm full trash, and I am just <laughs> absorbing a lot of really horrible reality TV. But we adopted a cat like two weeks into quarantine, and she's been just so much fun, and it's been just such a journey watching her grow. We had we got her when she was six weeks old, and now she's like almost a year, old, which is wild. But also, I guess in terms of beauty, just Taking time for like these little self care rituals that would normally take a lot of time out of my day. Normally, I would wake up, try to get ready as quickly as possible, get on the train and get into the office. But now it's like, oh, I can take the time out of my day to do a face mask and give myself a facial every few weeks. I can take the time to do a hair mask and really scrub my scalp, give myself a blowout and experiment with like a Marilyn Monroe esque way of setting my hair because we have the time to do that and and we feel good. I'm also taking like a lot of online poll classes, which is a lot of fun, but it's different because, you know, it's different from being in the studio where you would want to try something pretty risky, but at home, I'm going to bash my head on the floor. So
0: (laughs) (laughs) yeah. So as someone really involved in the beauty industry, talk to me about your hair care, makeup, and skincare routine. Morning to night, quickly include products.
1: Okay, yeah, so from morning to night, my skincare routine is I do a Corez cream. Cleanser—it's their new donkey milk version, which is like—it sounds ridiculous. Donkey
0: milk—I haven't heard. Of this. <laughs> uh,
1: it sounds like something Guy Fieri would be all about, yeah, but yeah. it's actually apparently donkey milk has like really high levels of vitamin E and vitamin A in it, so it has this toning, moisturizing action. So I'll oh, it's it.
0: like camel milk, you know. I've heard. heard of, yeah, I've been like hearing things about camel milk, but you know, I mean, I think general in general milk is like good for your body, right? right. Very luxurious, but. <laughs>
1: I mean, it's like good. the Cleopatra in me, right? Yeah. She yeah. bathed in milk apparently. But uh-huh. I use that and then I followed with like the SK2 essence, which I've been using for years and years, and I love it. Oh. Um, I use a Biosance vitamin C serum. I feel like one thing with Asian skin, I don't really have to worry humble brag, right, as much about yeah. fine lines and wrinkles quite yet, but it's the hyperpigmentation. So that's one thing that I use to kind of like break that up and then I'll follow with another corez Donkey Milk Serum, and then my sunscreen, and I use an eye cream, but I'm like almost out and I'm crying about it. And then at night, it's basically the same, but in place of my sunscreen, I'll use a retinol serum.
0: Okay, yeah. So what do you use for, what was this eye eye cream that you're crying about? (laughs)
1: Oh my gosh, it's Dr. Loretta. It's so good. It's her Oh, I love Dr. Loretta. She's wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. So how about
0: your hair? Like, what do you do with your hair?
1: I'm actually using this new system that, it's from the Harrys family, and they have a new line called Headquarters, and I have like a really oily scalp. I'm always like putting on dry shampoo, which is kind of a moot point in quarantine because I don't see anybody and I can just get as gross as I possibly can. Yeah. yeah. But I'm using the system. So you basically start with a scrub in the shower, like a scalp scrub. And it has a chemical aspect and a physical aspect to kind of Mm. just like get rid of all of the gunk. And then you use a shampoo and conditioner. And um, Mm. sometimes I'll do a hair mask. Sometimes I'll do a color depositing conditioner. I have one by, um... okay, I forgot.
0: (laughs) Yeah, no, no, it's okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we can I'm, like we can link that in the bio, and you tell me. Oh Here's no, the- it's by Evo. <laughs> oh Evo, they're, yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah, they're great. So I sometimes will use that if my hair needs it because I do have some highlights. But sometimes I'll just use the Harry's stuff: the shampoo, the conditioner. Get out of the shower. I use a frederick Fekkai just cream conditioner, leave-in conditioner, and then I'll do this scalp spray from Harry's to help tone the oil that my hair produces. And then I'll blow it out. I have um, a Dry Bar round blow dryer
0: oh yeah so do you wash your hair every day or are you like when? (laughs) no (laughs) you you do it like twice a week or something even regardless if it's like oily right
1: yeah probably twice a week because I have naturally pretty wavy thick hair and it's not great for it to be washed every day but I'm also kind of lazy so I try to go as long as possible to be honest with you but it usually ends up being like twice a week
0: yeah, I've actually was late in the game of trying to not wash my hair every day. So I only started like around November. It's been going well, obviously, in the beginning, I was like going crazy. i not like, I need to wash my hair. <laughs> you know. But now I think like, you know, it's been good for me. I think I just know, even if maybe I have not seen like drastic changes in my hair, my, you know, hair yet. But even to begin with, it's not like I had breakage or very dry hair, because I barely like used hot tools only when I had to like, you know, do things like this, you know, or go out, but that's the whole last year. I didn't go out anyway. So (laughs) I didn't have to like really curl my hair much, but yeah, it's like, I feel like just giving, you know, your scalp and your hair a break from these like oil stripping products, I think is still good for me. So I think I'm, I'm, I've been sticking to like two, two times a week washing Mm -hmm. my hair. Yeah.
1: And then when you do it, it's like a ritual. It's like okay, so I'm gonna put on a podcast, like hello beauty, just, like, <laughs> in the shower.
0: <laughs> exactly, or like you wash it twice and you just really massage it. I think I think the positive thing that comes out of this, but yes, it's a whole routine and a ritual, which is like really great. You know, you take more time for yourself
1: exactly and it makes you feel good and you feel like a brand new gal when you step out of that shower
0: yeah you're like oh you actually feel your hair more you're like I love this I
1: do. <laughs> like when the hair oh my gosh this hairy stuff smells so good I'm constantly like smelling my hair all day which is oh my gosh <laughs> I
0: remember back in the day well before like quarantine like my friends would always catch me I'm just always like smelling my yeah. hair you're Like what, what are you why they're like why are you smelling I'm like well I just try this new product and I like the sh- the smell of it. So I just yeah. can't stop. <laughs> they think that's like one of my weird mannerisms. I'm always like smelling my hair. <laughs> no, good. It's good. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. So what is something exciting in store for you?
1: Huh. I mean this. This is exciting. Oh, this is wonderful yeah. exciting. But yeah. I don't even know what's in store. I don't know what to expect for this year. Like my fiance and I, he's my husband now. We just got married. So that was a fun thing that happened and we're very much settling in here. I mean, I guess eventually getting the vaccine will be exciting. That would be exciting, but I'm oh, like I agree. Yeah. <laughs> the most essential person ever because I work from home. So I don't anticipate that I'm going to get it anytime soon, but you know, hopefully seeing that and you know, the weather getting warm and being able to travel (laughs) again, hopefully, but we'll see. I feel like one thing that the last year and all of the chaos that all of that happened taught me was like, kind of just have to take it as it comes. And you can't plan too far in advance because who knows what will happen, right?
0: Yeah, no, I I, I feel like I don't even think about traveling as of now, like, I don't think about it, because if I do, I'm just gonna get, like, just that wanderlust, like, oh, I want to be there, but I can't. (laughs) Yeah,
1: that's something that I would like to look forward to, but right now, I'm basically just enjoying taking it slow, and, you know, working on projects as they come.
0: Mm-hmm. No, I love it. Yeah. No, thank you so much for this conversation. I feel like I've gotten so many takeaways for me into just having that conversation. I think that's really important. Like what we said, because even as an Asian, I'm I'm like, wait, how come me? I, I second guess myself or I question myself. I was like, how come other people, not particularly this Eye trend, but like, how come people get offended with this and I'm not. So I I'm very like open to these discussions and I thank you so much for giving light to a lot of experiences that you've had and differentiating what appreciation 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 and appropriation is and really the important thing is exchanging insights and mm-hmm. cultural backgrounds. I think that's the beauty of it. You know, once we start knowing more and learning more about each other's cultures and I think that's the positive way to get to appreciating right exactly. <laughs> instead of appropriating
1: and just approaching it from a place of love and respect mm-hmm. as long as you approach things with love and respect there's one thing that my therapist taught me like what can go wrong really yeah i, I know and i know that
0: we can't even if we do have that love and respect intent like mm-hmm. the outsiders people that are looking at us and what we do might not see that because how do they know what's going in in her brain, right? Inside her brain. So I think that's why I think we have to do our part in being more clear with our intentions outwardly, especially if we are posting something on social media. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Just so that there's no blurred lines or like misunderstanding. So kind of try to like limit those things, right? By doing your part in the very beginning, once you post something.
1: Exactly. And having conversations like the one we just had, because that's so important. Even if it is uncomfortable, that's how we all learn. Yeah.
0: Listening and also just understanding each other. Yeah. That's, how we get somewhere and move forward, right?
1: (laughs) For sure. For sure. Yeah.
0: Thank you so much, Marion. Definitely this is not going to be the last. Um, I mean, I do want to tell my listeners and viewers that we are definitely going to have more conversations like you being in the beauty industry and being in the trenches like what I said. I do want to share more value and more information to my um, listeners and viewers. Oh, yeah, I would love that. So everyone's going to get more of you soon.
1: Uh, (laughs) (laughs) I'm so excited. Thank you. This was such an honor.